Lord, thank you that you're holy, that you're separate, that you're other, that you're so far beyond us. And thank you at the same time that you're so near, that you're so present, that you're so caring, that that you're so close. And Lord, help us to hold each of those in our hands this morning, how different you are from us, that your ways are not our ways, and that you created us to have a relationship with us daily, hourly, minute by minute. You want to hear from your kids. You call us your beloved. That blows us away. Thank you, Jesus, for your life and your death and your resurrection. And thank you that we can have life in you, the Holy One. We never want to take that for granted. And Lord, as we meet in this place, make us more like you. And may we just sense your presence in our lives and all that you want to do in and through our lives and our church and our community. And Jesus, in advance, we say yes. And if that's your prayer, please say amen. Amen and amen. You can grab a seat, everybody. Thank the Lord. So I don't know if you woke up grateful and thankful, but it's not too late. You can still turn on that that grateful attitude right now and just go into this day the right way. Uh, And um, as you came in, hopefully you got a three by five card. Would you raise your hand if you do not have a three by five card? Three by five cards are very important. So uh, can somebody help our three by five card challenged people? Um, Thank you. I'll tell you what they're for in a few minutes. But today is all about mentoring. And what does the Bible have to say about mentoring? How does that relate to discipleship? And, uh, and so we're going to get into the story of Paul and Timothy a little bit deeper. Uh, but I want to I mention this just kind of as an introduction. There are two primary ways you can learn stuff in life. One is your own experience. So the second is somebody else's experience. So number one, you experienced a thing. The second one is somebody else experienced a thing. Now here's the difference between the two. Number one sometimes is painful, right? Um, there's, a, um, uh, I, there's a tattoo I, I found, but the hard way. I have a friend who actually has it on his knuckles the hard way because it's just kind of some people's approach is, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Now, you can do it that way, but that is often the hard way, and it is often the painful way to do stuff. Now, if you learn from somebody else's experience, that is called wisdom. Would you repeat after me? Wisdom? Okay. So the hard way is over here, and I'm not saying it's the easy way. But there is a wiser way of learning from those who have gone before us and saying, oh, you know, I could avoid a couple of mistakes if I listen to this person that God has put in my my life. So mentors can help us grow. They can keep us from going through some, some difficult seasons that we could avoid if we listen. So probably you had some mentors around you this week, whether you realized it or not, whether they're officially mentors in your life or not. You also have some mentors that lived a long time ago. Some of those people, their stories are in this book. So you can learn from the experiences of those who have come before us. Hebrews has a whole bunch of those listed. And and all these people who have traveled before us with the Lord through all kinds of situations, good, bad, 
and, and all kinds of stuff. They have walked with God before us. And this is interesting, too. One mentor that you have actually lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't think about, hey, the whole, I need to listen to my mentor, the Holy Spirit, who is helping me. Right? And sometimes we try to, like, tune that out. But look at John 14. Jesus said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. But he just said, teach you all things. Showstopper. I like that. And he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Now, here's the other interesting part. The next couple verses are about peace. Oh, so wait, if I'm listening to my mentor from the inside of the Holy Spirit, teaching me all things, that sounds good, and all the stuff that Jesus said that's helpful in my life and shapes me, then I'm going to have more peace. And maybe some of you even wrote that on your, your prayer request today. Man, I need some peace. I'm struggling with anxiety. I got Here's one door to walk through to have more peace. So Paul and Timothy, one of the greatest examples of mentoring in all of Scripture. I love it. And we're going to jump into that in a minute. But can you think of some others? This is audience participation time. Any examples of mentoring in the Bible that you can think of? Moses mentored Joshua. Good. Elizabeth and Mary. Good. I like it. Naomi and Ruth. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, Elijah and Elisha. And what did Elisha ask for? Yeah, I want double what you got, mentor. Interesting, right? Any others that you can think of? Jesus and the disciples. And the primary one I think of there is when he washed their feet. He said, yes, notice what I've done for you, and I'm your master. Now I want you to go do the same for other people. Go and live like this. What a mentor, right? Amazing. Any other examples you can think of? Yeah, Paul and Timothy. And Barnabas with Paul for a little while. Uh, another one that's interesting is um, Deuteronomy 6 talks about mentoring our kids in the way of the Lord. Raise them up and talk about it all the time, here and there and everywhere. Uh, I was listening to Skip Heidsick this last week. You, have you heard of this guy? So, brilliant teacher. So he shared a story about three guys who were arguing now, having a friendly discussion uh, about different versions of the Bible, which is the best. And the one guy said, King James is definitely the best because it's easier to memorize, and, and I love the poetic language. And then the next guy goes, no, I totally disagree. I think the NASB is best because it's most accurate, and I can really get the in order, what it said in the original language, and that's really important to me. And then they turned to their friend and said, what about you? And he thought for a minute, and he said, I think my parents' translation of the Bible is my favorite. And they were like, wait, your parents translated the Bible? And he said, yeah, every day they translated the truth of the Bible in their lives, and I got to watch it as I grew up. Okay, wow, right? Mentoring matters. Proverbs 13, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. Turning a person from the snares of death. Hmm, boom, right? That's pretty significant. So who has been a mentor in your life? Just think for a second. Think back. Some of you have more years to think about than others. 
And uh, have you thanked God for any of those people lately? So in my life, I, I, it's funny, I ran into one of my mentors about three weeks ago, a lady named Sally Parks. I think she is right around 90. She taught me how to bass fish. Really, when I was 12, she took me under her arm, literally walked me down to the shore in Lake Nasimiano and went, I'm going to teach you how to fish with plastics for largemouth bass. And I said, yes, ma'am. And it stuck. I mean, she got me hooked. Get it? But it was so fun to see her a couple weeks ago. And what did we talk about? Bass fishing. She's 90. Still loves to talk about bass fishing. Uh, I remember in, in high school, I was an art major, um, and there was a lady named Sue Gordon. So some of you know Sean and Lindsay Gordon. It's his mom. And, um, and she took me under her wing and said, man, you do some weird stuff. Let's, let's dial that in a little bit. And, and we developed this relationship. And I, I mean, I was painting with balloons and syringes and all kinds of interesting stuff. And then she had me come back and teach the AP art class the next couple years because somehow it clicked that I was almost there and I just needed a mentor to be like, do it a little bit like this. Now try that. Now let's make that a little bit more normal. And we'll, you know. And then I remember a little bit further on in life, um, I was in ministry and hammering away and thought I had it all together hit a couple of rough patches, and then I thought, you know, who could mentor me in ministry? Maybe my dad. Duh. I, I ignored that for decades. And then I finally went, you know, Dad, I got some stuff I could learn from you. Uh, and then I started spending some time with a guy named John Dawson, and we would just take walks around the harbor and just talk about the Lord and ministry and what God's doing around the planet. And it was about ministry, but it was really more about Jesus. It was more about life. It's more about peace, more about finding the, the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life and following it. So I want you to take just for a minute your three by five card, take it out, and hopefully you have a pen nearby or you can reach out. There, there are pens in the back of the pews somewhere. And write down at least two, maybe three mentors in your life. Anybody. Write their name. What kind of stuff did they teach you about? What sphere of life was it? Did they teach you about, you know, a certain subject in school? Did they teach you about life? Did they teach you about relationships, family, problem solving? What did they teach you about? And just write their name and what area of life they taught you about. Take a minute and do that. Okay, look up when you're done so I have some idea of what's going on out there. All right, I'll let you finish that. Some of you guys are already done. I'll let you finish that a little bit later if you want to come back to that. But just take a minute and thank God for at least one of those people. Just look at that list and just say, thank you, Lord, for that person that you put in my life. 
And I'm praying that God will use this time when we're together and that person that influenced you to motivate each of you to be like that in somebody else's life. All right. Now, you can have mentors in your life that are a good influence. You can have mentors that are a bad influence. So I, lit I went through a season in college where I was a bad influence on some people. And God put it on my mind, on my heart. It was interesting, like probably 10 years after that fact, I had to call a couple people and say, I'm sorry. I was not a good mentor to you. I was not a good influence. I blew it. Please forgive me. I had somebody do that to me on Facebook last year, and check this out, 35 years later, the guy messaged me on Facebook and said, ooh, sorry. I thought that was really interesting. But we can have good mentors, bad mentors. I, I thought of a couple of examples. One, you can have a Yoda or a Darth Vader in your life, <laughs> right? And, and, and another one that we can think about, you can have a Mr. Miyagi or you could have Johnny, the Cobra Kai guy. And we, we know where this, where this goes, right? But let's, that's just for fun. Yeah, thank you. Wexel. So let's talk about Paul and Timothy for a minute. There are a few things that you may not know from their history. And when we kicked off our series on 2 Timothy, I did a few details. But there are a couple things that I left out. One is this, Timothy was from Lystra. And that's where his mom and grandma were from and where Paul was traveling through. And he met the Lord. And then a few years later, he came back through the same area. And that's where he invited Timothy to join the St. Paul Evangelistic Association and took him on the road. At that time, Timothy was probably 15 or 16 years old. So just picture you as a mom or dad going like, bye, Tim, Timmy, probably at that point. Good luck out there going out with Paul, who's being hunted as a criminal, to go out and spread the gospel. That's a lot of faith for a mom and a grandma, right? So Timothy had a great name. His name literally means one who honors God, and he sure did. He wrote, uh, he was with Paul when Paul was writing several New Testament books. It looks like the book of Philemon was actually penned by both of them, probably. He was right there. Uh, he spent some time in prison. Um, in Hebrews 13, we find that out for his faith. Uh, and he became really, really dear to St. Paul over time. He's mentioned 22 times in the letters. And Paul calls him my son or my dear son in the Lord. So um, open your Bible, or you're going to need it, uh, or your, your uh, phone to your Bible app. We're going to walk through 2 Timothy um, a few verses in each chapter, and I just want you to see kind of the flow, because I can't put them all up on the screen, but it's interesting if you follow along, in your, and there are Bibles in the back of your pews too, but you can follow along as we're going through the different chapters and see that so much of this book is about mentoring, and there's just this, this uh, constant flow through the whole thing. So right at the beginning, 2 Timothy 1, verse 2, to Timothy, my dear son, there's the thing. This is who he's writing it to. And jump down to verse 6. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on my, of my hands. And, and he's talking about the faith that existed in him um, and the influence of Paul, his mom, his grandma. And then uh, 2 Timothy 1.8. Don't be ashamed, but join me in suffering for the gospel. So Paul is not just giving him the pep talk He's also talking about real life. 
So you're going to face some really good times. You're going to face some really bad times. Jesus is going to be with you just like he's with me. And if you're a good mentor, that doesn't just mean that you, like there, there are people that you can pay to be your mentor online that will only tell you really nice things about you and about life and everything's beautiful and power, perfect. And it's not real life. So life has ups and downs, and I like how Paul's real about that. 2 Timothy 1.13, what you've heard from me, keep as your pattern. So he's saying, notice what is coming out of my mouth and make that part of your life. Now look at chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. The things you've heard me say and trust them to others who will also pass them on. So there's a flow. It's not a dead end. He's not saying, hey, Timothy, I'm going to teach you some stuff that's going to make you so strong, period. No. Timothy, I'm going to teach you some stuff that's going to make you strong in God's grace. I love that. And you're going to pass it on to others who are going to pass it on to others, and they told two friends, and so on, just like the commercial. 2 Timothy 2.14, keep reminding God's people of these things. What things? It goes on to say, look out for false teachers. They're going to screw you up. They're going to screw up the church. Keep reminding people of who they are in the Lord. And that's when it gets into that thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago. There are things in a house that are of noble purposes, things that are not of noble purposes, that are common. And he's saying, remember that you are noble, that God's called you to do stuff for him, and remind the believers of that. So remember, Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus at this point, so he is passing on this stuff to the, the important things of the Lord to this crowd in Ephesus that was in a very cosmopolitan, very messed up, very wealthy and influential city. So, I mean, these, this is like New York City. And he's telling people, here's what I want you to hold on to. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, let's jump another chapter. Verse 10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. That's quite a list. Timothy, you have watched it all, is what he's saying. And then down in verse 14, continue in what you've learned and be in what you've become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. Who is that? Paul and Tim's mom and Tim's grandma and the other leaders in the church. He said, don't just, it's not just believing in something blindly. You believe it because of the people who have impressed it upon you and who've lived it out before you, right? Verse 15, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then this is this famous two verses that, we, that many of us know. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. How many of you heard that ver those verses before? Raise your hand. Have you noticed the context? The context is, you are God's servant. Scripture is powerful. Put it in your hand and use it. It's not that Scripture is out here a million miles away from you and it's so powerful and, and awesome way over there. Paul is saying, no, I want you to use this. It's supposed to be in your hands and effective in the lives of other people. As it was in Paul's life, handing it off to Timothy. Okay, last chapter, 2 Timothy 4, 
uh, 1 and 2. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And verse 5, keep your head in all situations. I love that. Endure hardship. Do the work. And he says, do the work of an evangelist. But I think the challenge for each of us is do the work. If God's given you a job to do, do it. If he's given you a role in his church, and he has, do it. If he's given you gifts, use them. And then he says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is not just for Timothy, this is for all of us. Do you know what your ministry is? Yeah, I make coffee. Well, maybe you make coffee, but that's part of hospitality, which is a spiritual gift, and it's how God wants to develop you in in this ministry of pouring into other people. Maybe you don't know what your ministry is yet. Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are yet. But this challenge is to each of us to figure it out. And, and God doesn't play hide-and-seek with people. He will not make it really hard on you to figure out what your calling and your ministry is. He wants you to listen and pay attention and press into him and say, please show me. So if my, how many of you have kids? Would you raise your hand? Okay. If your son or daughter came to you and said, so I really want to know uh, what I should do with my life. I really want to know what gifts you see in me. How many of you would just go, ah, you know, I'm not going to tell you. That would be pretty mean. Why would your Father in Heaven, who is much more loving than any of you, give you a hard time if you just want to do it right and you want to know, how did you create me? Help me see it. And what gifts have you given me? Help me to use those. Help me to develop those. But when was the last time you got, you slowed down enough in your life and said, okay, what's really important? Making a buck? Yeah. Uh, relationships with my kids? Sure. Um, my 401k? Maybe. But what's really important is the things that will last forever. Fruit that will last forever, the Bible talks about. That's people. So how does God want you and me to invest in the lives of others? Usually, that's through spiritual gifts and through a ministry that he calls us into. And that doesn't mean that you're going to go to seminary and become a pastor necessarily. That, that's not what ministry means. Ministry means serving. It's literally the word table waiter. You're helping somebody. So how does God want you to help somebody? Discover that. Some of you guys are teachers. Some of you are behind the scenes. You're serving. You're always doing this and that to help other people use their gifts. Some of you have a gift of encouragement or challenge or, or you're patient and listening and counseling. Everybody's got a few things going on. In fact, you look at the life of St. Paul, he's got all of these. I, I, I can't find a spiritual gift the guy does not have, which is interesting because God used him in all different kinds of ways in all different kinds of situations because he was available and said, use me. I think that's the same thing is possible for, for us, where we're, if we're that available, then the Holy Spirit can work in all different ways through your life. Amen. Thank you. Uh, so, so a question, oh, the very last, I, lo- I love this right at the end, 2 Timothy 4, uh, 9. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. So we see the relationship, and he says it twice, come, come before the winter. Um, so it's not just 
the teacher with the student, the boss with the employee. Hey, Timothy, get the stuff done. There's a real relational connection here, a warmth. And, and then he says, hey, say hi to these friends of mine and look out for so-and-so, right? And then he says in 422, the Lord be with your spirit. I, I, there's something that, I, that I, we don't do enough in the American church, but if you look at the letters of Paul, the greeting at the beginning and the greeting at the end are often powerful. Like often I will talk to one of you guys and I'll just say, hey, Ed, how you doing? I won't say, may God's grace be with your spirit. Now that might freak him out a little bit. But just think about that. You have the ability in the spirit to pass on grace and peace and encouragement and strength. You, could, you got that stuff in your back pocket. And, and yet a lot of times you just say, hi, how you doing? How was your week? Hey, what about the Dodgers? Now, I like the Dodgers, but, but I think that we as believers, there's so much more that we can step into in loving each other and sharing this, this grace, this, this powerful, these powerful greetings with each other. So I'd encourage you to look at that. Okay, so a question. Do you have a Paul in your life? And are you allowing yourself to be mentored? Now, I went through a lot of seasons in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need that. I don't need anybody to mentor me. I got it. Let me show you a little photo. This is reality of, of most of us. We feel like, I got this. Right? Do we have that photo around? But there's, there's just this silly way in which we think that we have it all together. Oh, we don't have version two back there, do we? That's all right. Anyway, there's a, there's a photo of a guy in a swamp, and you just see his hands sticking out of the water, and it says, I got this. And, and so the funny part is, like, that's how I lived a lot of my life, is, you know, I'm drowning, but I'm pretending that I got this. And the Lord has put people around me to help me, to lift me up so I'm not drowning, and he's done that in your life too. But sometimes we're like, you know, I got time for that. Or I'm, I'm fine on my own. But we're really, we're really not fine. We're really not fine on our own. It's funny, right? Worth, worth the wait. Okay. So a question for you is, do you think you have it all together? And if you think you have it all together, ask your loved ones, and they will tell you otherwise. So do you have a Timothy in your life? Is there somebody or somebody's that God is giving you the opportunity to shape and pour into. And you might say, well, I, I don't have anything to give. I'm just a mess. I believe that God will <laughs> he'll use that to convict you. And it's interesting that often in our point of weakness, in our struggle, God recycles that stuff and allows us to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. Have you been through a few divorces? God may use you in somebody else's life who needs some help. Have you been through an addiction? God may use you to help somebody else along those lines that someone else can't help. He recycles your stuff, and he'll allow you to disciple somebody else. So um, I want to bring up a friend of ours, a friend of mine, Mr. Mark Gozer, and would you welcome him as he comes up here? Here we go. 
And I, I always think of Ghostbusters, Goza the Gozarian, but I don't know, anyway. So this is, this is Mark, and we have a little bit of history together. In fact, Mark was part of Caneo Church before I was, and so tell them a little bit about your connection with Caneo first, and then tell them what you've been doing. Well, it's great to see all of you. Um, I see a few faces that I remember from some time ago. Great to see you guys. Um, I was one of the founding members at Caneo Church when it first got started, way back uh, there was uh, with Tim Lagerquist and Dave Page, and then that moved into Rex Holt, uh -huh. uh, who some of you might remember. And it's been fun as uh, through the years to just keep track on how God continues to use this amazing congregation. So it's great to be back. I live out uh, with my wife in Pasadena. We relocated uh, several years ago, about eight years ago. And that was a bit of a commute here to Caneo. So we're, we're over at a church called Fellowship Monrovia and enjoying connection there. So great to be here. Yep. Tell them what you're up to now. So a few years ago, you guys invested in a huge way to start something that's mentoring people all over the globe. Uh, we founded Hope Ventures, and Hope Ventures is all about raising up thriving businesses amongst the underserved. So we function as kind of a, a training and community development organizations. We work with local churches and Christian organizations around the globe to start business training programs. And we do that for one reason, and that is to break the cycles of generational poverty and to help people flourish as Christ intends. So it's been a profound journey. We've been doing this for about three and a half, four years now. We started off in Haiti. I think we have uh, next slide here. You can see a few of the places that we're at. From Haiti, we, we moved on to uh, another, starting in Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador, in Mozambique, in Malawi, um, we started last year in South L.A. We looked around and said, man, we need to invest right here in our own backyard. So you guys have a hand in this, and it's amazing the kinds of things that we've seen as we invest in the God-given capacity and dignity of people, uh, and it's, it's been a fun journey. That's awesome. I ran into a guy at a conference that was talking about um, he and his kids decided together to do some investing through you guys in a project in Malawi? Is that right? Or Mozambique? Uh, probably Mozambique. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was it, yeah, yeah. just we've, funny we've, how the Lord just brings things together. We have a, a fairly large a business that we invested in there uh, in the poultry farming industry, and they have a uh, co-op that we've started and over the next five years, the plans are to raise up 150 uh, chicken farmers, uh, businesses, entrepreneurs, so that they can feed themselves, their families, and reinvest in the local community. So it's been, it's been fun. Love so it. people often ask, like, so what kind of businesses uh, do you guys see come up through this? Uh, we see just randomly uh, taxi, transportation, transport services, beauty salons, textiles, agriculture, uh, just a variety of, of services. I'm trying to think I wrote down some of them here. Christian schools, coffee houses, print and packaging. Uh, we have even event planners. It's been fun just to see the variety of businesses and the creativity that's represented across cross sectors mm. 
uh, in the various countries that we're in. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Jesus, or is it Jesus? Well, yes, he goes by Jesus. Uh, one of the, the stories, and it was, it's been fun because I was just interacting with our Ecuadorian uh, counterparts uh, just this week and yesterday morning, and got some more details on Jesus. So, if, I want you to think about this just for a moment. Sixteen chickens and a handful of churros can change a life. You got that? Sixteen chickens and a handful of churros can change a life. Here's four words to go with that. The first of which is change. The next is mentoring. The next is grit. And the next after that is impact. So let me tell you a little bit about Jesus Guerrero. He's up there on the screen. Jesus Guerrero is originally from Venezuela. And so I want to ask you a question just real quickly. What would it be like if you were in a country, your own country, where it became a failed state? All of the infrastructure, all the government institutions, everything just shut down. There's no more groceries on the gro on the, at the store. You can't access medical care. There's no more education unless you're super, super rich. And life is an absolute mess. You turn and you look at your spouse and your two kids and you realize, we can't do this anymore. Like there's nothing here. We will die. We have to do something. And that's where Jesus found himself just a few years ago. And so he left Venezuela, his home country, and moved to Quito, Ecuador. As he was there, he worked odd jobs and trying to work hand to mouth. Now, he's an educated person. He's got a master's degree in education. Hmm. He's got lots of talents, but hmm. he had to start over from scratch. He had nothing, no relationships, no real material possessions. And so he had to begin, started somewhere working odd jobs. COVID hits in 2020. And that makes things really hard. That's when he ran into one of our, our projects there in Quito, Ecuador. Not only did he get some, some food and some help, but they told him about this business startup program. And so he began training. And he decided, I want to start selling chicken to people. People need to eat. It's a great source of protein. It's easy enough to do. Um, so how are we going to do this? That's a, so he launched into this. He went to them, and uh, it was funny, my uh, Oscar was telling me, he came to us and asked for a loan of $2,500. <laughs> we're like, $2,500? Tell you what, we're going to start, think big, but start small. That's one of the fundamental principles of all of our businesses. They gave him 16 chickens. Mm -hmm. Jesus went out and sold those 16 chickens, and then he bought more chickens, and that began to snowball. And pretty soon he got this idea, hey, you know what? I'm going to start with a handful of churros, and he went out and sold them too. And so as he did this, he continued to receive business mentoring on a regular basis. He's part of a business startup community, and this is what's so amazing. You guys have been investing, whether you knew this or not, in, in mentoring and discipleship on a regular basis, and it's whole life. So if somebody comes to me, and my family's struggling, and we don't have enough to eat, and you say, hey... Let's do a Bible study on John 3, 16. I might be like, uh, okay, I'll hear, maybe listen for a little while. But if you say, hey, let's do a Bible study in John 3, 16, but let's talk about how God wants to take care of you and your family, now you've really got my attention. In fact, 
what if we could help you put food on your table? Now you really have my attention. Well, that's exactly what was going on with Jesus. And uh, he began to grow in business smarts and his relationship with God and the local community there. He now has, uh, he's up to three carts, kiosks for churros. Not, he employs 12, 12 other people. Hmm. And he brings in, just on the churro carts alone, over $1,200 in profit every month. And he's making money off the chicken business. Hmm. So here we were. We were stuck in poverty. We didn't look like we had any hope. We weren't sure what to do. And through this mentoring experience, his life has been turned around, and now he's mentoring others. It's a pretty amazing story. I love it. How can we pray for you and Hope Ventures right now? Just pray that God continues to pour out his, his spirit and his resources and our ability to mentor. We, we have countries from all over the world that are reaching out to us on a regular basis saying, hey, would you come over here? I just was contacted yesterday, woke up to a, a, a WhatsApp message from Ethiopia, and we've been talking with Gideon over there for some time. He wants us to help. We have invitations uh, just in, in Albania, uh, places, uh, just a variety of places. I won't go into all the details, but yeah, if you could be praying for us, that God would continue to give us that wisdom and the resource. We want to equip people uh, to provide for themselves. It's great to drop off a sack of groceries on somebody's doorstep. It's another thing to teach them how to go get their own. Mm -hmm. And I want to suggest to you, there is a time when we need to drop off that bag of groceries during times of crisis. But in the long term, you extend a of a lot more dignity and investing in the capacity of people to provide for themselves. And I think it brings a great big smile to God's face. You have a hand in that. That's what you've been doing month after month, uh, year after year. And we're super grateful for that. So thank you all. All right on. Thank you. Here, stay here for just a second. So if you want to know more, there are a couple of uh, flyers in the lobby and Mark will be hanging out here in the lobby if you want to just come find out more about Hope Ventures. But how about an open-eyes prayer? Everybody just look right here. Lord, thank you for Mark and for Deb. And Lord, we're grateful that we're family with them. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to lead and mentor Mark through your Holy Spirit. Give him the strength and the capacity and the courage and the wisdom to do what you've called him to do in so many lives in so many countries. Open up the right doors, Lord. Help them to know where to say yes, where to say no. Is Ethiopia a yes? May they see that clearly from you. Lord, provide the resources, provide the opportunities, and we ask, Lord, for lasting fruit through Hope Ventures that um, thousands of people would come to know Jesus through these businesses, relationships, and all the mentoring that's happening. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, buddy. It's so fun to see Mark. So literally, we used to meet in, uh, in Matt Voss's garage and plan um, Conejo's services with Rex and Tim. And yeah, that was some fun memories, dude. I'm glad you're here. So uh, a couple more verses, and then we're going to finish our 3 by 5 card. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Who wrote it? Paul. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As you think about mentors in your life, how much do they look like Jesus? And I don't care if they're believers or not. I don't care if they're pastors or evangelists or prophets or 
I don't care. How much do they look like Jesus? If they don't look much like Jesus, you may need a couple more mentors to replace those mentors. On Instagram, the books you read, the videos you watch, do they look like Jesus? No one said amen. Okay. Philippians 4.9, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Wow. I mean, Paul, like, he's really, like, going out on a limb. He's like, I'm trying to lead a life that's full of Christ. If you see some stuff in me that looks like Christ, do that. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. 1 Thessalonians 1, it says, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And look at verse 7, you became a model to all the other believers and look at verse 8. Your faith has been become known everywhere. What a cool model for us as a church and as people of faith. Wouldn't it be amazing if the faith that you have, the relationships that you have, the discipling that you do becomes a model? You're not just surviving. You're not just getting by. You're not just doing your duty. But other cities, other towns, other churches, your family members, people from far away are going... I want to be more like the Pavias. Like, how cool would that be? Look, look how God uses those guys. So what does mentoring look like practically for us as Christians? I just want to share three things. I want to invite you to be a pro. I don't usually like, uh, you know, using acrostics, but hey, why not? Every so often. Be proactive. That's the P. Keep your eyes open. Sometimes we... Sometimes we, are, we do not have our eyes open for who God has put in our lives to pour into us and for us to pour into. And, and if you look around and just say, Lord, help me to see the people that are around me, he will show you. He's not playing hide and seek. He's, this is not a game. This is, this is spiritual survival for you and for others. And, and here's, the, here's the goal for, for all of us. Work ourselves out of a job. I mean, I would love to have other people up here teaching you. I would love to have other people doing so much stuff that I do. And I want to work myself out of a job. I want to be raising other people who will do stuff in the Lord and, and in his name. So, and here's the other thing. Knowing the written word and knowing the living word makes you ready for that. So if you don't know God's word and if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to have anything good to give away. That's just... That's just the facts. And if you're not equipped, how are you going to equip others? And then the enemy wins because the equippers are not equipped. So the junk just gets passed forward and it doesn't go anywhere. So proactive. The second one is relational. Notice Paul was so in tune with Timothy. He cared deeply, not just about that guy's got to learn. He cared about him as a son. He adopted him, basically. I mean, we've we got to have this kind of a, a, ability to know others and to be known. Some of you don't like being known. Some of you have been hurt, and it's hard for you to risk and go like, I wanna, I'll invite somebody into my life. So guess what? The enemy wins. We've we got to get out of that. It's just me and Jesus, man. We're good. That's, that's not how Christianity is supposed to, to exist, and it's not how the planet will be taken over for Christ. If we're all isolated, the planet goes to hell in a handbasket. 
That's just the truth. So the last one is this, oh, obedient. Jesus set us an amazing example. He washed his disciples' feet. He put up with their junk for three years. Like, and you read, you read the Gospels and you're like, they did what? They said what? They, they did not get it. And, and he served them and discipled them and was patient with them and forgiving with them and poured into them. And guess what? Those 12 people, 11 plus 1, Paul changed the world. And we wouldn't be sitting here if that had not happened. See, he set us this example. And in obedience, we say, yes, Lord, I will raise up others as you did. So the question is not, do you have a mission? The question is this, does the mission have you? Let that sink in. Well, God, what's my mission? He already told you, go spread the gospel to all all the whole planet. The question is, does that have you? Well, how does that happen? By influencing the people around you. You don't have to go to Mozambique. You, you, may have to, you may have to go to the restaurant this afternoon and talk to somebody. You may have to text somebody that you have an issue with, and God will use that to break into some conversation about him. We've got to be available and ready and willing to have other people in our lives and be used by him as he leads us. And probably being obedient means he'll ask you to do stuff that's a little uncomfortable and a little out of your comfort zone. And you'll be like, do I really, do I really want to do that? And then you have to say, Lord, I will do what you want me to do. Paul spent time in prison. Timothy spent time in prison. When Paul wrote this letter, it was from prison. And he's thinking, I'm not, and he did not get out. He died in prison. And Timothy went and visited him before he died. That's what the letter's about. And Paul wasn't sad, depressed, disappointed. Oh, man. No, he said, come see me. Bring my stuff. Say hi to my friends. And, and while I'm here in prison, God's using me in amazing ways. Wow, right? Okay, so grab your 3 by 5 card, and we're going to wrap up with this. On the other side, who has God put in your life that could be a mentor to you? And it, do, it doesn't matter if you have asked them yet, if you think they're willing. If it, just say, Lord, who is it? Is there somebody around me that you want to use to pour into my life? Who could be a Paul to you? Just write their name down. You could write down two or three people. You don't even have to know them well. Just somebody that's around. But it's not somebody on YouTube. It's not somebody in a book. It's a real live person with flesh in your life. Okay? Somebody that you could conceivably talk to. And then just say, Lord, help me to take a next step. What's your next step? Maybe write down that next step. I got to text so-and-so. Or I'm going to pray for an opening with this person. Or I got to get on their schedule and buy them coffee. And here's the next one. Who is somebody that's in your life that you could lead, that you could pour into? Who could be a Timothy? Who's around you? And i got to be honest, I've had a couple of Timothys in my life that completely blew me off. And they're like, man, will you mentor me? Will you meet with me? And then I did, and then they didn't really follow through. And I'm sure that happened to Paul, and I'm sure that happened to Jesus, and I'm sure that happens to us. That doesn't mean you give up. It just means you say, well, who's next? right? So who is it that could be a Timothy in your life? And I want to ask the band to come up. So Lord, I ask that you would lead us to those who are in our lives for a reason, for your purpose, 
that we could learn from. And help us, Lord, to just picture those people in our minds right now. And Lord, I also believe that you want to use every single person in this room, no exceptions, every single person watching online, no exceptions, to influence others. And Lord, help us not to feel like we're disqualified because we're qualified because of you. And help us to lean into your Holy Spirit and be available to you, Lord. May we listen to the mentoring of your Holy Spirit every day. May we listen to the mentoring of your Holy Word every day. And may that equip us to equip others. And maybe, Lord, we've just been blowing it. We've not been spending time with you. And we just say, we're sorry. Forgive us for being so short-sighted and not being part of your mission. And Lord, the world needs you. And so I ask, Lord, that you would grab our hearts today, that you would equip us, and that your spirit would mentor us, and Lord, that you would lead us into the lives of those who need you, that we would disciple and mentor others whenever we have opportunity, and Lord, that we would have a couple people in our lives that we meet with regularly to show them more of who you are, Jesus. Not one-time thing, but ongoing. And Lord, that you would make your body strong. And Lord, that you would bring fruit that lasts forever through our lives. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.